CHN Radio episode 94. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. You can follow me at NFC And we have an exciting podcast because we got three points. Well, none of us, except for Elijah, said so. And to introduce a minor Steve Bruce collapse away from getting the correct score prediction right. The best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yes, yes, I'm here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the man who predicted Newcastle would score three goals. I believe I'm the only analyst out there that predicted we would <laughs> score three goals. Albeit, I got every single like goal wrong in how it was going to be scored, and Newcastle gave up two goals. I still said we'd score three goals and win. And what happened, Greg? They scored three goals, and they won. And they won. Yep. So yeah. So if you want any more hot takes and predictions, I had a really funny tweet today. Follow me at Elijah underscore Newsom. I actually had a, a couple of funny tweets today, so um, check those out. Wow. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, you can fo- don't forget to follow the the podcast yeah. at chn underscore radio and the uh, the main account at coming up in UFC for all the latest uh, Newcastle bants. Also, if you follow the account, you will be seeing a giveaway that we posted this week. Stay tuned. That's all I have. Yes. That's all, I'm, that's all I'm giving. Uh, uh, and while we're talking about Twitter real quick, Twick update. So we've got all your name suggestions for our manager, oh. and I'm creating a series of polls. I think I'm going to narrow them down myself based on just how popular the tweets were. And then we'll have four managers. We'll name our manager, and we'll get this show on the road. I already created the – the. well, I've, I've deleted my other Newcastle career mode so that I don't confuse them. Mm. And so we're, we're, we're step – two in the process of getting this career mode on the on the road yeah yeah you'd hate to save over that one yeah well the other one as it was great as greg has seen clips from it um it was it was a good time i've already won the champions league with newcastle so yeah it was, it was a big a, win is the town ta- big win the town was storing through the streets yeah and they did the same generic ass trophy celebration that they do when they win the the Scottsdale Cup, like I mean, come on, FIFA, Let, let's fix that, okay? Yeah, it's the champions. Yeah, how do right? they not have them going into the stands to get the, the medals and stuff? I mean, I don't know. I feel like that They're... that should be generic. Like that's what they should they the should have guys. They they, have. And when you win MLS Cup in FIFA, you should actually be able to take it with you to a strip club. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a little callback for my MLS fans. Shout out to the Americans. Yeah. If you don't get it, just type in Atlanta United MLS Cup Strip Club, which is a very weird search to have. But, but I have it. It exists. It does on in my history. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we're going to dive into some club news first. Uh, there's a lot of things that happened. Usually they're, they're, it's been a little bit slower this year. Um, and then we'll go into the wonderful, glorious win that Newcastle had over West Ham. 
Um, I predicted a draw, so at least I predicted I'm two points off, but my goal prediction was way off. I said, now we're on the third minute. Now he did get his chances, uh, but not in the third minute. All right, so we'll get into club news now. And I, for the first time this year, I think the NUFC women and men have won on the same weekend. Yeah, I didn't fact check that, but I'm just assuming because we've I'm won so few times that I think that that sure. has to be accurate. Yeah, um, I'm we pretty like Bolton I mean we could do the research. Yeah, we could, yeah. and it's been a while since it was. It was September first, the last women's win. Not our not a win for us either. Okay. And then, and that this was their second. So, uh, so yeah. Wait, so you it said definitely their was win the was September first. Yeah. I'm guessing was our last one was against Tottenham, right? Yeah. Nope, that was August. No, 25th, it was, well, so, the yeah. last win was Man United, but. Oh. But yeah. All right. Here we go. This is great radio. <laughs> yeah. That was October sixth. All right. So, so yes. we fact checked it, and it is the first time that. And you have seen women and men have won on the same weekend. The women beat both Wanderers two nothing. This is club history being made. I feel like it should be a bigger deal. It's not club history. It is. Not. Yeah, it is. No. Did NUFC women do it last year? I mean, they've won plenty of games in their history. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but it's club history because it's the first time they've done it in the year 2019. Oh. Also, that might not be true as well. Now that I'm realizing it, <laughs> yeah. So. Let's let's move on. Um, great, great. Um, big news on the academy today, and it will not be in my article that I'll be posting on ComingHomeInUFC.com because it's something for that happened in November, and I'm focusing on October. So you have to wait a month <laughs> for that <laughs> entire month. You should give a little teaser. You'll like. you'll forget about it, and then I'll bring it back into your life. But like, oh. but apparently, and it's still apparently, because the club haven't announced it yet, but apparently Neil Redfern is out. He's bouncing from the academy. Uh, so it was reported by the Daily Mail. Um, but apparently Neil Redfern was furious. He had, so he left because he had a fallout with a member of his coaching staff. And they he got into a big argument with uh, Liam Bramley, who's – and assist, his assistant. Dude, um, what an awful name. I'm sorry. B- Liam Bramley? Oh, this yeah. guy sounds like a loser. You should <laughs> fire him. And I guess Liam Bramley made a complaint about Neil Redfern to Academy, to the head of the Academy, Ben Dawson. Oh. Um, so that's, that's the idea. So from the reports, it seems like Redfern... Uh, they'd not been seen eye to eye with Dawson, and there's like there was a clear the air meeting, and it didn't clear the air, so oh. he bounced. Um, the club has not commented, and in the article it says the club declined to comment, and they weren't able to reach Neil Redfern. So this is something that we'll probably hear more of. I'm assuming immediately after this podcast gets published, <laughs> so. That's how things work, but I, I'm yeah. expecting we'll hear something this week 
they can't let an article like this come out and not comment on it. But that's my thoughts. Uh, do you have any comments on this, Elijah? Um, I'm just glad that. Well, actually, my I do have a comment. Uh, it's a sad day for us, uh, Neil Redfern hopefuls, because <laughs> I've been waiting to tweet out Neil Redfern's black and white army, just predicting that Steve Bruce would eventually get fired. And now I won't be able to do that. So um, it's going to suck having that realization um, that I'll never be able to tweet that out. But, I mean, maybe in the near future. Who knows? Yeah. Um, If you remember, Neil took over when Peter Beersley left for his whole ordeal that we've talked about. And don't need to go into again. Moving on from the Academy, though, there was a big signing. We got Joe White to sign oh. his first professional contract. This is a cool one. Uh, we've talked about him on the podcast. He was a hopeful. He's doing. He's absolutely dominated. Has dominated the U18s for Newcastle. He's been doing really well. He actually just got his first goal not too long ago in the U23s, and he's been training with the first team. Seventeen-year-old. Um, he is a midfielder. He's a skillful like playmaker style. Um, the article is kind of funny because he, his admirers are Zidane and Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> oh. um, so hopefully he becomes as good as them. Um, and his grandfather was Peter Hampton, who played for Leeds United, Stoke City, and Burnley in the 70s and 80s. Uh, the academy manager, Joe Joyce, said, I'm delighted we've been able to offer Joe his first professional contract. His progress and performances have thoroughly warranted it. He performed. He's performed consistently well at under 18 level, and has also had opportunities with the under 23s, as well as training with the first team. He's a very level-headed individual, and I would expect this to inspire him and to continue his good work. And hopefully, he'll be recognized on the international stage sooner rather than later. Interesting. That last sentence is a point that we brought up on the last podcast. These players need to be caught up for England. Elijah, take the floor. I mean, you said everything cool, so <laughs> good job. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, so I mean that's cool. I, me. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this about Joe White: um, if Greg sings his praises, then he he's a good he's a good lad. So Greg called out the Longstaffs. So to be fair, there you go. I did. I only called out one of them. We're just gonna. It's, no, we loop it together. Don't tell people that you only called out one. They're not gonna listen. <laughs> we'll cut this. We'll cut. This. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Joe White, he's definitely one of the exciting ones. It's funny. I wanted to touch base a little bit on the youth national team setups. Like, they're definitely different in quality between England and Scotland and Ireland, obviously, but. We have Oyson McKenty, who's playing for the U18s and U23s for Newcastle United, has already featured numerous times for Ireland in their youth setup. We have Elliot Anderson, who's playing for the U18s and U23s in Newcastle, striker, doing really well. Both Oyson, Elliot, and Joe White have been doing great. And Elliot's already featured for the Scotland U18s team multiple times. Joe White, same thing, doing just as well. Never featured, never been called up. I think it's a real concern. Uh, we talked about it last podcast, but um, that's something that we really need to be watching out for. Why aren't these players getting an opportunity? 
Northeast bias, baby. Yeah, I, I'm. I've tweeted about that, and it's certainly something I'm paying attention to. You tweeted about it, and you went viral. Did I? Well, I'm just going to speak it into existence. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll cut that, yeah. too. We'll cut that. Yeah, we'll cut that. <laughs> um, all right. So next thing of note is Lejeune. He made his start in their most recent matchup, the Academy. He played 71 minutes, um, and they lost to Aston Villa 3-2. to two. Um, So he's almost played a full match now. I'm assuming the next match he'll get his full run in. Any comments on Lejeune? Do you see how he played it all? No, I'm, I'm, I we don't get those in in the states. So you do the U twenty threes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Can well, how do you watch it? The website nufc.co.uk. Oh. oh, okay. Well, you that's a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> if you said ESPN Plus, I mean, I would have been. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to watch the match today. I just know that you played 71 minutes so that's more than he played the last time yeah yeah definitely Quick is definitely is all right and now we'll move away from the u23s and elijah who made alan Shearer's team of the week well there's one player that has been absolutely dominating on twitter and has been a fan favorite regardless of his play which it hasn't been bad at all to be honest um, and that player is Alan St. Maximon. Gucci. St. Gucci Max, who made Alan Shearer's Team of the Week and tweeted about it and used some appropriate hashtags like hashtag Newcastle Legend. Um, so, obviously, he's very appreciative of the honor. Um, I think, honestly, I want to say the last player to make it into Shearer's Team of the Week might have been Cher. It's or either Cher or Sean Perez. Longstaff. Oh well, no, no. I'm talking. I'm pretty sure Cher made it in this season. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of someone made it in this season. I think it was Cher, um, in a match that he scored in or something like that. Because because there was a, a another match. Um, that's not the point. The point is, like, shout out to Saint Gucci Max. Um, he also made waves on Twitter uh, by trolling a Sunderland fan, which is absolutely hilarious. The tweet has since been deleted, but um. Is a whole, whole ordeal. Um, this is re- related to that Newcastle tweet, and uh, I-, I guess the Sunderland fan must have said something uh, along along the lines of like, "You haven't even scored your first goal." And Allen replied, "I wish I could score my first goal against your club, but dot 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 with a little with a little gif from uh, Parks and Rec of Ben Wyatt." So uh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. It's also not as funny when you explain it over the airwaves. So it's never um, it like in any joking scenario like that. That tweet was meant to be a joke. It's it doesn't work. You cannot explain the joke, or it's not funny no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter how the joke is delivered. It's just it's not funny when you have to explain it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Twitter fix that. Fix the English language. Yeah. Uh, or just go on St. Gucci Max's Twitter and read it yourself. We tweeted it, so you can you can or our go to our Twitter. Yeah. Actually, go to our Twitter, follow us, like the tweet, retweet it, yeah. then look at the tweet. Yeah, the perfect order. I'm all I'm all for that. 
<laughs> okay, Ooh. and we have some uh, Willem's news. I I don't think I knew this, but the fee yeah. was revealed for Jetro Willems. Yeah, um, it was reported way back in October in Germany, and the Chronicle ran an article on it, and I'm 90% sure it was like during the international break. So, like, there was a lull, and you can listen to the podcast if you want to and figure out this lull, where we just, like, had no club news, and probably because we weren't, yeah, no, we just really didn't have a lot of club news, and I'm sure sure this was, like, one of those things that kind of got swept underneath the rug that was just, like, a Chronicle puff piece, but the Chronicle are, are kind of doubling down on the fact that apparently Jetro Willem's release clause is 10 million pounds. So, um, Greg, I'll ask you a quick question. Right now... 10 million pounds, Jetro Willems, yes or no? Uh, like, if I would sign him to my team? Yeah, like, if, if today is the day you have to make the 10 million pounds and you're Newcastle United, it's Jetro Willems, what do you say? Yes. Okay, yeah. I think I would say the same. Yeah. So, good good debate. <laughs> well, gotta love when that works out. Um Yeah. And then we're gonna get dive into BS meter. That's the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we got yeah. the BS meter, and then I'll I'll have one more piece of news for for the lads that I haven't told Greg about. Um, so we're gonna hop right into the BS meter. It was a fun one um, because there was a bunch of players that Greg has not heard of. So we'll start with Alex Crawl, who um, this is all from the Chronicle. So take it or leave it as to how realistic you think it is. But that's the reason it's called the BS meter. Um, so Alex Kral is a defensive midfielder uh, who plays uh, for Spartak Moscow um, and who's just coming off a 3-0 win this past weekend. Apparently Newcastle were there scouting uh, this 21-year-old. He's a defensive midfielder. Um, key thing to recognize here is that he just moved to Moscow um, this past summer for 11 million euros. So I don't know if this would be a January signing unless Newcastle kind of overpay for him. But he started the majority of Spartak Moscow's matches. And like I said, he's that defensive midfielder, kind of destroyer position that if you haven't listened to our last podcast, you should. Kristen Hennage talked about um, Newcastle kind of missing. So uh, BS meter for you, Greg. Uh, where did he move from? Do we know that? Um, I can look it up right now while you Okay, while you I'll ponder. BS meter in the, in the meantime. So okay. I, I don't think this is that that much bs i think this is a realistic thing it falls into mike ashley's like gotta find young players i do think mike ashley's gonna try to invest and we definitely need depth in this position um so so i i'm actually kind of on board with this i actually think there's a it's a realistic possibility that this signing could go down yeah and on that note um like this is a position you say we need more of we really don't have any of. I mean, I think before Isaac Hayton got here, he was more of a raw defensive midfielder type player, but now he's a little bit more adventurous and has kind of come into his own as just a regular central midfielder. So to have a straight-up destroyer, uh, we don't really have anymore. And this lad looks to be a little bit better at uh, keeping his, uh, you know, not getting carded and stuff uh, as regards to, like, Mo Diame, who just repeatedly did that um but he came over from slavia prague to smart to spartak moscow so um yeah there you go cool slavia prague another uh like um euro league champions league team top of the table in the czech league i believe 
Um, same with Spartak Moscow. So doing the whole Eastern European tour. Yeah, but I'm with you. I think it's a realistic signing. Um, I don't know if it's going to be something that happens in January unless Newcastle are willing to spin. And if they are, if they spend as much as they spent this summer window um, going into January or going into next summer, then this is a potential signing because this, I think this is more in the 15 to 18 million pound range uh, just due to the fact that they just signed him and, you know, he's a good player for them. Uh, so moving on, um, next up in the BS meter, we're actually going to skip around. Uh, Habib Diallo is one that the Chronicle are doubling down on as an actual uh, interest for Newcastle. Um, currently playing his football in League uh, for uh, Mets, who are not really... I don't think Mets are that good. They just recently promoted. He scored like 26 goals in League 2 last year. Um, he's Senegalese, and Newcastle apparently value him at 7 million pounds. He scored... Uh, up, he's now scored eight goals in twelve games, putting him second in the Golden Boot race. Um, thoughts: twenty-four years old, forward Habib Diallo. Um. So I don't. I'm gonna say no. I'm, I'm gonna say pretty high BS on this. I, I don't really have a full reason for it, but if we're gonna spend forty mil on a striker, and we have Andy Carroll, and we have Dwight Gale, uh, then I'm just out on us getting a striker. Especially when we're committed to leaving our strikers, like, soul, like, up top. I, it's just not going to – this is not happening. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know, last match is a little different. Well, you know, just, just a little. Um, I'll say it, it's an interesting one for me because it doesn't make sense um, – because I think if Newcastle bring in another striker, they're going to want to splash the cast on a proven goal scorer who, you know, may ne- not necessarily need a system or support, kind of say, like a, a guy who can just come in and bang in goals uh, and has done it at the Premier League level. Um, maybe a guy who's riding the bench for someone else or a loan, lo- some, loan someone in from a different team. Um, I think where this gets interesting is if Gale sold, if Dwight Gale sold, and you get, you know, 15 mil or so for him or whatever, send down to a championship club, he's sold, then there's a potential that this happens just as another body to get into the mix. Um, I mean, it's either that or call up Elias Sorensen. Um, so I think that that's the only way I think this could happen. So, I'll, I mean, I'll put it at like a like a, a pickup truck full of BS. Um, but if Dwight Gale gets sold in January, which, again, a possibility – um, you know, I'd up that up to like you know maybe a, uh, like a, a shovel of BS because then it's like we got to actually start looking at targets. So, and seven mil, if that's what they think his value is, that's a decent bit of business for a twenty-four year old who can play left mid, left wing, center forward, the whole nine yards. So, um, yeah. And then last but not least, uh, an interesting one. Uh, this is. A player um, who plays his football in Italy for um, Inter Milan, uh, Degnan Wilfred Gnoto. Um, he is a player who's currently killing it at the youth levels for Inter Milan, um, and all their kind of youth squads just has been dominating. Um, and is right now actually in the middle of being the second highest scorer right now, I think, at the U17 World Cup for Italy. Uh, he just turned 16, 
uh, well, he's about to turn 16, right before the round of 16 for the U-17s, where he's just starting every match for Italy, playing really well. I mean, he's a forward who, you know, has a lot of pace to him, very technically savvy, um, but is a guy who you would imagine is going to be a more of a youth team signing, um, but he's 16 years old, Arsenal are interested, as well as Newcastle. Thoughts? I have no idea. Um, I'm just going to say the BS meter is like um, overflowing trash can on trash pickup day. I like that's a weird trash to have. Like, why would you not just? I mean, it's natural waste. Why would you fill up a trash can with it? Just dump it in your yard if that's what you're going to do. If you're already pooping in a trash can. I mean, that's a that's just my personal take on that. Um, this is a weird one. Cause he's he's like a he's the the hottest thing in Italy right now. Yeah, why why um, would they let him go? That's yeah, and that's, that's the thing is Inter Milan are not really interested in selling him. It's a there's another guy like Sergio Tonali is another guy who's a hot young name in Italy that a lot of European clubs are circling and swimming around. Um, but uh, it makes sense Newcastle are interested. I don't think they have a shot because the 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 more this kid produces, especially at an international stage, the U17 World Cup. Uh, he, the more and more you're going to get more and more teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, you know, Ajax, Bayern Munich. Everyone's going to be interested in this kid because he's playing well on an international stage and he's coming from a quality club that has produced some quality talent. So, I mean, I think Inter would rather hold on to him and try to offer him a full-blown professional contract rather than any of these other clubs who are likely going to bring him in and chuck him into the academy and see what happens after a couple matches. Yeah. But yeah, so that's it for that. Greg, are you ready for my big news? Yes, I am. All right. So there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, how do I say this? There was a lot of discussion on Twitter today, um, potent- surrounding uh, one Richard Keys, who just is a person. Uh, I don't know. He's not great. Um, but Richard Keyes apparently has tweeted out that this is going to be a good week for Newcastle United. And subsequently, our friend Newcastle Goals is making this bold claim that Newcastle United will be sold by Thursday. BS meter, Greg. They're... The Pacific Ocean. Okay. All the trash in the Pacific Ocean. Okay. Okay. Follow up, Greg. If you're so confident that this is not happening, so we're saying Newcastle will not be sold by the end of this week. You're yes. so confident this isn't happening. What are you willing to do if they're sold? If, like, as a bet? Sure. Um, if someone knows about it, then it's not going to happen. So that's my, that's my thought process around this, but I don't know, like what, what's on the table here? I mean, uh, I'm not going to cut off my pinky if that's what you're, God, no, <laughs> you're that, asking. Is, that is, I'm sorry. That is the, I, I hate hearing about that bet because it just grosses me out. And I remember the interview when they talked about the dude with the pinky and I was like, yeah. this is so gross. 
I want to skip this all, but I can't. Okay, it's so I, interesting. I, I, anyway. I just want to make sure that's not what you were trying to no, no, give me no. to say. Because I will no. not do that. I think I would shave my head. Okay. But I don't, I don't feel like... I don't know if that will make a big difference for you, Greg. What? If I shave my head? Yeah. I don't know. Um... I have no idea. Hmm. Well, that this is this is not <laughs> fun. If you don't have, I would. You should tweet out your phone number. Okay. All right. Well, so I'll shave my head. You tweet out your phone number. Okay. And and Brian has to run a naked mile. Maybe I'll. Uh, maybe we could put a tattoo on this. Oh, dude, I'm so down for a tattoo, actually. Yeah, let's scrap that. Let's make this a tattoo. Oh, what should the tattoo be on? It should be... I don't know. <laughs> dude, you know, I saw a tattoo idea. You're going to hate it. I saw a tattoo idea on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I saw this. And it was a tattoo of Iose doing his celebration. Oh, that's disgusting. Craig. I'm not doing it. No, I would never. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not that confident. Let's just say that. <laughs> you're not that confident. Okay, let's see. We could do a tattoo related to this podcast. Like a Warren Good. Barton tattoo. Not like just like the number two and then like Barton underneath it or something like that. That also doesn't seem like I don't I want a, a tattoo that I'd like though. Let's just but say this. It's this is fake. There's no way that just Richard Keys knows about this. I'm okay, sorry. well, I'm still squatting on the fact that if this happens, we'll get tattoos. All right. What will that be? The you the people suggest you guys suggest them. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the parameters are. Um. I think I don't want any profanity on my body. That's mine. And then yours is it can't be Iose Perez related. <laughs> okay. All right. So you heard it here first, folks. If Newcastle are sold by the end of the week, Greg and Elijah will get tattoos. So. Yeah. Well, I just walked Greg into that without him even knowing. There it is. Yeah, that's why you guys this is hey, for any of you aspiring podcasters out there, you should do things like this. Just just surprise your co host with with a bet, you know? Keeps the <laughs> podcast lively. Yeah, it would. All right, let's get into our West Ham recap. We're going to do that immediately following this ad after this. All right, Elijah. Newcastle wins three to two. Is a big one. Oh yeah. Um, so we got we got some three words to start it off. And th- as always, the people came in the clutch by the three words. Really, just helps us understand exactly what happened during the match. Which is glad that that's you can read this. Go down the list of three words and just know exactly what went down. So. That's fantastic, isn't it? Mm. Mm. All right, so some three words. We have at Mile High Magpies. Wow, three goals. At Batman. Well, they Snow- didn't listen to the podcast because I predicted three goals, so they shouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> at Batman's Milkman, Will Watson says nail-biting finish. Um, Jeff Can at Jeff Can 4 says West Ham hubris. Uh, Toon Army Dallas says, I like winning. 
Yes. Hot take. Uh, Toon Army Portland says winning is fun. Yes. Okay. It's ironically neither one of those teams won in the MLS playoffs. <laughs> uh, Toon Army dollars, actually. ATX well, actually, yeah. okay. says Baltimore is back. Oh, yes. Love that one. It's true. I love that. Zach Leggett at Zach underscore Leggett says nearly effed it. Um, I refuse to read his actual name, but it's at Smick Ultra. Brucey's still shite. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Um, Brian Gardner at Brian Gardner ten says, "John Joe, I apologize." Got to okay. we got a an apology here for John Joe. Uh, Ali S Chambers says, or "It's at Ted Rogers Brains." My dogs are going nuts right now, so you'll hear that in the background. It's, it's fine. Um, always rated Bruce. Yeah, same. Um, Teesside Mag, Allen St. Maximum. And then Paul at Paul Secure says, Sweet Baby Jesus. And then we have Jake Maxwell at Jake Maxwell 98 said, Should have been more. And then Ross McCrory at McCrory Ross says, Absolute effing Belta. I wish I could say words but i think people would get mad at me well technically we can because we didn't say this podcast wasn't explicit but we're respectful of the uh, people it, we yeah i guess technically it is but anyway great three words um let's let's talk about the match elijah so any surprises on your initial lineups on the initial lineup um Let's see. Let's see. John Joe was a surprise, but I kind of, yes, sure. and I tweeted this out. I was like, oh, IDKY John Joe is starting. And, I mean, people interpret that as me, like, insulting him, which, to be fair, I did insult him on the podcast, but I was genuinely confused. And then I kind of talked myself into it yeah. because I was like, well, I mean, if you think about it, like, Matty Longstaff doesn't really offer that much like he's like he's a raw player, so like yeah. I think having Shelby or Hayden in the midfield, I mean it's it's like Shelby Hayden or Sean in the midfield is a little bit better than just like having Maddie in there by himself. And so if you have the opportunity to play, you know Hayden or Shelby, sure why not? And I think the last match before this kind of showed that there's still some work to be done with Maddie, and it's nothing against him. He's still playing in Premier League and has more Premier League goals than Greg and I per- combined, but he is Guaranteed. raw. And so, Shelby, you you either get, you know, John Joe Shelby that we clamored for the English national team for, or John Joe Shelby who belongs at the bottom of the championship. And luckily for us, we got the version that belonged for the belonged to the English national team. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and outside of John Joe, and John Joe was the biggest surprise because, like, I'm, I'm so many people tweeted, like, why is John Joe in this lineup? And it was even more of a surprise because we were just talking about, is this the end of John Joe's, like, career at Newcastle? Like, we were literally were just talking about that, and then he's named in the starting lineup. The so, old commentator's curse is what I call it. Yeah, for sure. It was very odd. But the rest of it, yeah, pretty spot on as expected, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, nothing huge. It was good to see um, familiar faces in the lineup. Uh, it's it's actually insane how deep we are at center back. Um, yeah. 
because it seems like regardless of who we play there, I mean, we just look good. Um, I think this this one was uh, Lascelles and um, Fernandez and Clark. I want to say I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I'm yeah, yes, it was because Fernandez and Clark scored, and Lascelles was the captain. So Elijah Newsom. <laughs> um, so uh, it's just I don't know. It, it's it's kind of insane because it's like we're literally down to. I guess our technically it would be our fifth and sixth choices. I guess Fernandez has started playing a little bit more, so at least our our third and fourth, you could say, choice center backs in the yeah. pecking order. If you want to include Lejeune, then they're down like fifth and sixth, and it's like they're still doing things like Karen Clark being our leading goal scorer and Fernandez with a goal, and I don't know. It's just wild. Yeah, how how good we are. Yep. In that particular position. But literally nowhere else. No, yeah, it's it's like really good in that position. I saw some the tweet that said like if Cher didn't exist, we'd be praising Fernandez as one of the best center backs in recent Newcastle history. <laughs> Which like sure. you could argue for for sure. Which is great. Um, okay, so we'll get into some things that happened on the match itself. So Newcastle started off in their usual formation, three four two one or five four one, um, Almiron was on the right, and Saint Maximon was on the left, and Dolan was up front by himself, Shelby and Hayden behind them midfield. So, um, I almost got my wish. It was the fourth minute though, when Willem sent a ball down the left flank, and Almiron got in behind the defense. He, he was I, – I thought for a second that this could be it. I mean, I would have been a minute late, but you might as well just count it. Um, eventually, West Ham just cleared it, and, you know, there wasn't really a chance. But I just wanted to point out that, you know, I was kind of close. But <laughs> outside of that, it was, like, pretty good play for Newcastle. It, it wasn't – nobody was really ahead, and then the goal happened. Uh, 15th minute, Kieran Clark – He's a, an assassin on set pieces, on set piece headers. Uh, the ball was in from John Joe. It was a free kick into the penalty era at the bat post. Joel Tune. he rose to the ball first and headed across to Clark, and then he just absolutely rocketed into the net. Top corner, awesome goal, one nothing. Newcastle United, Elijah, your takes. Well, don't forget who, who even got us that goal. Like who set up yeah. that free kick? Yeah, our very own Miguel Amiron, who uh, did it. He, I think he saw, he saw people's tweets and was like, "I still need to make an impact on the match." And like he, he, he was. I mean, we can talk about all all day how good he and Saint Maxman were, and I'm sure we will later. But I mean, he won us that free kick, and it was a great free kick taken, and it was wild because Newcastle don't score from set pieces, even under Rafa, and it's just. I don't know. I guess that's when I knew it was going to be our lucky day. Yeah. Yeah, and it was also credit, if we're going to go back even further, so it's credit to Jolentoon for his hold-up play on that. And it's something I said in the last pod, that Jolentoon hasn't been that great in holding in hold-up play. And this was great. And he was able to to get it to Almiron, and he got in behind Cresswell and Diop. And, or, no, he got behind Cresswell, and then Diop came to foul him. Um, and then got a yellow card because of it. And, and that's how the uh, 
the free kick was scored. So like Amron was behind the defender and they had to foul him or less, unless it's going to be an open breakaway. So, um, and then we still scored, which is great. <laughs> yeah. It, that's always fun when that happens. Just how we grew it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, in this case, actually, that's just how we drew it up. Yes. Because it was set piece. Exactly. So then, five minutes later, goal number two happens. Um, it's... I, I can't say... I can't even remember the last time I've seen a short corner work. <laughs> like, I can't. And this is what happened. It was uh, it was Shelby playing a short corner to St. Maximum, and he played it deep to Willems, and he floated the ball into the box... Uh, and their defense kind of disappears completely. <laughs> and Roberto tries to get to the ball, and Fernandez just overtakes him and scores. And it was awesome. And then he, he did the goal celebration where he turns his back and points to his name. I was like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> y- sure. You, you do that. <laughs> yeah. And then it was it was the first time from that moment, 20 minutes in, it was the first time Newcastle had scored more than two goals in a match and then i had the tweet of players that had uh our our leading goal scorers for the season (laughs) did you see that tweet i actually didn't so you gotta Um, read the tweet so it was i gotta find it now um so our our leading goal scorers for newcastle season at that point because it has changed now was jolin tune had one lascelles has one maddie longstaff has one Cher has one shelby had one Jetro has one, Clark has one, and Fernandez has one. And that is your leading goal scorers for Newcastle United this season. <laughs> well, good for us. And now, and we'll get to it, Shelby is now the leading goal scorer for Newcastle United because he has two on the year. <laughs> what a what a overachiever. Yeah. So uh, I think it is it's slightly better now that we don't have a uh, like a center back like we did last year for a little bit, that's our leading goal scorer. Yeah. It's a little less embarrassing. Uh, yeah, a tiny bit for sure. <laughs> a guy that's barely barely played is now our leading scorer, but whatever. But hey, it's it the guy it who we hyped up to be the next like big midfielder in yeah in England. So it makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Um. Okay. So we. So, uh, the strategy for the rest of the half was literally it was. Like like we said on the last podcast is Zappaletta. That was it. And they they started him and we absolutely just throttled him and attacked him. And it was St. Gucci Max that did the attacking. Um and I don't know how that this isn't three nothing, but uh got in behind West Ham's defense once again, and it was Hayden that played St. Gucci Max. Um and he got around the keeper and plays it back to Almiron. And then Roberto rushed back the block, and then Shelby absolutely crushes this and rattles the post. And I was like, oh my god, how did we not score there? And um, it, and like West Ham was just playing so high, and Newcastle was just waiting, and then just got the ball and just went on the counter. It was just, it was easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I loved, I loved every second of it. Um, Dubrovka had a great save also, and then St. Gucci had an absolute breakaway that he put right into um, the foot of the keeper, um, and it ended at halftime 2-0. Definitely deserved the lead. We were definitely the better team. Wasn't even close. Uh, St. Gucci, Max, Almiron, and Jolentoon were all like wreaking havoc against West Ham. 
Uh, and it was probably the first time that we witnessed them all three together playing that well um, and playing together. So, Elijah, what's your thoughts on the first half? It was a good first half, and, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit with the player ratings. Definitely should have ended at least 4-0 um, just based on the chances created. And Newcastle, um, I guess the biggest takeaway for me uh, was that there was a semblance of tactics. They were continually trying to press, not press, but like continually trying to pressure the the back line of, of West Ham, and they were consistently attacking and trying to get balls in over the top and taking advantage of the fact that their front three had the speed advantage on this back line and really making them uncomfortable, which led to a lot of different breakaway situations between Almiron and, and St. Maximin and, and even Joel Linton had had a couple had a couple times where he was creating a little space for himself. So I, I thought it was cool because it was like this is an actual tactical plan that is fit an opponent. So we moved from Steve Bruce not having tactics, Steve Bruce copying tactics, to Steve Bruce adjusting his tactics to meet to, to fit the opponent. And so it's like we're finally almost getting a competent manager. And so that was my first half takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. That's a great point. And Second I said half. almost. I just don't. <laughs> well, second half started, and I was concerned here because I was like, well, we got a 3-0 lead, but we the last couple matches has been a tale of two halves. We looked great in one half and awful in the second. And we came right out, and we did extremely well. Joel Latoon, again, really good at holding up the ball. He sent Almiron, Almiron down the left while he was holding up, and he was upended, um, and that player got a yellow. Almiron drew two yellow cards from West Ham defenders. Um, and we kept the ball, we were drawing fouls, and then the goal, a free kick about 30 yards out from Shelby, and it, he curled it, and it took one hop right in an awkward spot as the keeper was diving over. Roberto couldn't stop it, and Shelby ran the entire lane to the goal and like levitated in the air like Voldemort would to celebrate 3 nothing Newcastle United. Elijah. Well, I mean, he had himself a good day, and he deserved the goal. I didn't expect it to be a goal like that. But then again, that's the type of goals Shelby scores. And it always seems like every year, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say. I mean, I think every year there's a random Newcastle player that just has an absolute banger of a free kick. Uh, last year, Saive had one. year before that, Atsu had one. So it's like... Someone was due for one to kick things off in the in the weird goals Newcastle will score this season. Um, so I'm glad it was Shelby. Yeah, glad he got a, a good goal, and it's good for his confidence too um, to have him scoring goals. For sure. Um, and the ne- this next part that I'm going to talk about, and I want people to realize this. Uh, I feel like more and more people are starting to realize why Amaran keeps playing. Like, yeah, he hasn't had goals and assists, and he needs to get those because you need your creative attacking players to get those those goals because that's why they're there. But this is why the, these next this next so we're up three nothing and then this has happened. And we've already mentioned him a few times about outlets that he's made and, and breakaways that he's had. Fifty third minute, another chance. A swift counterattack. Dolinton sent Almiron down the middle. He has a low shot from the edge of the area, which Roberto saves. Two minutes later, Fernandez sends Almiron clear. He feeds it to Jolentoon, who tries to advance to the box, and then he's tackled. Two minutes later, we get the ball. Outlet pass to who? Almiron. He takes it down. Like, it's the trend is there. Like, he is the dynamic playmaker. Um, once he gets that goal, 
and and maybe it's a little bit more confidence. Uh, I can't imagine. Like he absolutely dominated this game. And for anyone to say otherwise, come on. Uh, yeah, like everyone know knows he are. needs a goal. <laughs> yeah, There'll everyone be knows some people who say there's a lot of people. But I feel like it was a lot louder at the beginning of the season. But now people are seeing what he's doing. Like he he is our outlet, and it's and like if you're going to put the same criticism on Almiron, you have to also put the same criticism on say Gucci Max, because neither of them have gold. So um, it's up to like I, I better see it both ways. If if that's all you care about is the goal, which is it's fine because those players need to score. We need to have them score. Um, then I I expect it to go both ways. Um, yeah. Then Philippe uh, Anderson started taking control of the game a little bit. Uh, they took Zabaleta off, and then pretty much as soon as he came off, uh, West Ham scored. And it was a weird goal. Um, it was a low corner. It was whipped in from the right from Anderson, and then it was headed by Balbuena. It was headed on, and then Balbuena, like, hipped it in. <laughs> um, and it was 3-1. to one. Uh, Your thoughts on that play? It was just frustrating because um, you see another team making subs and you're like, all right, there are some players on our team that are likely tired. So you would expect your manager to make a sub. And then like when he doesn't, it just makes things like this a lot worse because it's like as great as the players have been playing, when you play for so long and there's a little bit of lack of focus, like having fresh players in the right position is it's better than having tired players running around and this is the second match in a row where like that's been the story of the second half. Yeah. Um and and then so right after the goal they did make a sub and it was just a weird one. It's like Atsu for St. Gucci Max. I'm like what? Like they just scored, you have a three to one lead. Let's just shore up the defense. When's the last yeah. time Shelby has played ninety minutes? Let's Let's yeah, put Maddie in there. Maddie's gonna run around and cause havoc. They'll never be able to get anything going. Let's like do something like that. Not not put Atsu in. Like what? Oh, that was Atsu. a weird one. And it gets holding it gets midfielder. Worse. Yeah, um, it definitely gets worse. So we'll back. We'll hop back on the Almiron train here because right after that sub, uh, Almiron accept intercepted a pass from Rice and. Inside his own half, he took it 60 yards down the field, and he kind of isolated himself. His head was down and should have had his head up, but um, there was ended up being like three West Ham defenders around him. And he just took a shot, which he should have, and it went over the bar. And then just a couple minutes later, Jolinton got a throw in, uh, received one, and then held up the play well again, and then sent it to who? Almiron. And then Almiron advances up the field. He gets tackled. Jolinton was trailing. He picked up the ball um, and had a pretty good effort uh, that was saved. So, like, that's what I'm talking about. Those plays are why he's in the lineup every single day. Um, then we made another sub. We took off, in my opinion, this is a spoiler alert, the, the player of the match, Willems, took him off for Paul Dummett. So, okay, at least it's a defensive sub, so I can't be mad about that. But also the first time Paul Dummett has played left wing back this season. That was, yeah, that was going to be my, my next one. <laughs> they didn't change the formation at all, and they put Dummett <laughs> as left wing back. It's just like, dude, come on. Yeah. Oh, then, man. 
we made one more sub. Jolentoon was off for Andy Carroll. And then, um, which I thought was going to happen anyway. Andy played for both clubs. Like, I figured that was going to happen. So I don't give Brucey too much crap for that one. But then right after that sub, there's Lanzini directed across from the left flank. Snodgrass volleyed it into the net. It was an amazing goal. And five minutes of the clock went up. So we had a five... Five minutes to hang on, and Newcastle did. Yeah, um, that happened. I saw this this couple things. Um, uh, Chris Woff said, Almiron has been very, very good. He wins the ball at his own right-back position, sprints upfield, places a Harrell down the right, who centers it back to Almiron, who is tackled. Eventually, West Ham run it out for NUFC goal kick, and Fernandez gets booked for booting the ball away. Like, like that stuff is like a difference maker, but that's how it is. It was way more nervous than you should be when you're up three, nothing, uh, but we won and it's a huge three points. It got us out of the relegation zone and we can't be mad about that. Right. In theory. Yes. You cannot be mad about that. <laughs> yeah. Newcastle United supporters could not be mad about that, but they were. So yeah, there's that. Well, that will always happen. Um, gosh, <laughs> So let's get into some stats. Or we'll do quotes first, actually. I don't know why I wrote stats here. But we always do quotes first. Uh, Stevie Bruce said, it should have been six. That was his first quote. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't he's have right. Been, yeah. It wouldn't have been unjust. We just had some wonderful opportunities that we didn't take, and you wonder if it's going to come back to bite you. It nearly did. Overall, we've got to be a bit more clinical. The front three were a threat but you've got to give them time and they will only get better. In a different way, we were fantastic at Tottenham and we were terrific when we beat Man United. I was delighted away from home to take West Ham on. That was good to see. Um, oh, and he also said, uh, fair play to my coaches who worked on a set-piece routine that, when it was delivered like it did, you have to say, well done to them. With all the criticism they've had, I am delighted the plan came off. He needs to stop clapping back at the fans. Yeah, uh, also, I don't think anyone's been criticizing his coaching staff. I think no. all the criticism's been at him. Yeah. Well, when you criticize, like, because they're like a family. So, like, I guess when you criticize the main coach, you're also criticizing everyone. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, going Sick. to stats now. Do you have any stats? Sometimes you throw out stats. Um, uh, I mean, there was the stat that I sent in the group chat about the fact that out of the position groups, I think it's six goals that our center backs have scored versus, like, three from the midfield and one from our forwards, which is yeah. hilarious, or something like that. Um, Newcastle have won nine matches at West Ham, which is the second most of any other Premier League team. Who have we beaten the most on the road? On the road, who we beat in the most. Premier League, right? Like right now, or just in history? In history, Sunderland. No, I wish. That'd it's be not. sick. Oh. It's Spurs. Really? Yeah, ten wins. That's very interesting. Yep, and then huh. uh, third place is eight with Aston Villa. That doesn't surprise me, actually. Yeah. Um. Uh, the last time. Okay, here's another trivia question. The last time that Newcastle scored more than one goal in a match. It was back in May. Um, 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know the match. I'm going to guess that it was a 3... No, 2 no Higher. 3 no Higher. 4-1. Four, four, was it nil. the 4-3? Four, 4-0 four, four, nil. Nil against Fulham. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember that. Because yeah. that was when I was talking a lot of trash about Mitrovic. Yeah. So. And then uh, Federico Fernandez got his first goal for the club. He is the 146th player to score for Newcastle United in the Premier League. Um, his last goal was for Swansea at Leicester. And then that was in February of 2018. Hmm. Um, and that was John Joe's 10th goal for Newcastle, his fourth in the Premier League. And he had five in the championship and then one in the FA Cup. And then Kieran Clark scored his sixth Newcastle goal and all six are in the Prem. <laughs> um, Wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and Oh, sorry. He scored six in the Prem and he scored nine in championship. I don't know. I must have written that down weird. I mean, sorry. He scored nine total goals for Newcastle. Three in the championship, six in the Premier League. There. I, I got it. That's 100% right. Perfect. Also, here's a really weird stat. It is the third time, third match in a row that Newcastle United has conceded a goal in the 73rd minute. That is very weird. <laughs> we should probably fix that. Yeah. So that's some stats for you. Um, going to 538, they predict how the season's going to go. And a lot of other things along with that. And in the Premier League, they so when before the match they had us in the relegation zone. Do they still have us in the relegation zone? Absolutely yes. not. <laughs> oh, they have us finishing in 16th with 41 points behind us. They have Aston Villa 17th, Southampton in 18th, Watford 19th, and Norwich in 20th. Uh, huh. West Ham finishing one point above us is what they have projected right now. Oh, yeah. I guess they're they're not they're not in on West Ham. No, anywhere? not in, not in West Ham. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, can we talk about Sheffield Wednesday? Well, Sheffield United for a second. Why yeah, are they, they so good? They might be good. Yeah, I, it, I, I don't know. get it. Uh, they should suck. That uh, is my brain doesn't doesn't compute. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to get to. So, in in the Premier League table, so Sheffield United's in sixth place. They have sixteen points. Um, Off but to Europe. To be fair, they're only four points ahead of us, which is also crazy to think about. We're five points from a Europa League place right now. Well, okay. That just kind of shows you how close it is. Um, so Arsenal's in the Europa League spot in fifth uh, at seventeen points, and we have twelve and fifteen. So, uh, we can, with a win, we could go as high as eight in our next match. Huh. So, it's like, it's really, it's like, 10th place is Man United. They have one more point than we do. So, it's, the Premier League table is for the taking. There's a lot of teams just underperforming and a lot of draws out there. A lot of, like, weird losses that teams are taking that typically you wouldn't see. Yeah, like losing to Newcastle. Yeah, and the question I have is they're not in the top. The top is still the same. You still have, well, Leicester's in there, but outside of Leicester, it's still the regular peeps. Um, Is there a parody in the Premier League now? 
I, 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 you know, it's interesting because I think the parity isn't really. I don't even know if it's a hundred percent with the players because you look at players at Tottenham and at Manchester United, and you think that they should be winning, and at Everton especially as well. Um, but I think it's the management has is the one that's that's is where the parity is coming from. I think there's a lot of stubbornness and like, and there's not as much firing as as we're used to. Like I think. In any other year, if you're leading, if you're the manager of Manchester United and you're not in the top five, then like you're fired. And if you're Everton manager, or and you're, not, because, huh? huh? Or not because he's still bored. I know that's what. I was saying. <laughs> or like same thing with Tottenham. Like it's 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 interesting because clubs are in this weird position of having to figure out where to move on and then you think about it and there's not that many great managers that are free agents i mean outside of jose Mourinho, it's kind of like you're kind of stuck with who you have and unless you're willing to take a gamble on a young guy or, or whatever so it's a very interesting scenario the premier league's found themselves in because i think that it's a lot more on the managers than than uh than the, the talent um yeah which makes it way worse that we don't have rafa because like this is like the perfect scenario with Rafa. And that's kind of how we got to 10th is like there was a cluster mess um, yeah. towards the end of the season with management and how, how and especially the teams we were going with going up against and Rafa just outclassed a bunch of managers in a row and boom, we found ourselves in 10th. So it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Cause that's, I mean, if you, I don't know if you have Rafa, like we're, we're now I wouldn't say we're in the Sheffield United position, but we're we're in the top ten right now. I think so too. All right. Well, um, good talk. I I just agree with you. So that's yeah. that. Um, who is your worst player, Elijah? Well, we don't do worst players anymore. Well, in win. I don't. I I still have unless uh, oh yeah, you do fine. have one. No, no, we don't do worst players apparently. In win. I mean, we haven't. I guess this year, at least. That's this true. Year, unless always... you think somebody was definitely the worst. No, I don't. I don't think I have anyone actually. Um. So I guess we can just do best player. All right. So who is your best player? Huh. Hmm. While you're thinking you... about it, mine's Jetro. I kind okay. of alluded to it earlier. Uh, we did, it's funny because we barely talked about him. He did get an assist, kind of. Um, oh no, it's not going to count as an assist because Jolentoon headed it to Clark. But um, it like he's he was he. This is my second straight match calling him as my best player. So he's just he's just been really solid. Um, and I think uh, have a here it is. Uh, who scored rated him an eight point two? That's insane. Like that is insane. He's really um, good. Yeah. So that's mine. That's my synopsis. I mean, it, I'm to me, I'm going to have to go with the tie between Saint Maximin and and uh, Almiron just because I think that they both contributed a lot in just different ways. Uh, Saint Maximin was a little bit more direct, but as you said, the, the game plan was to feed Almiron and allow him to, you know, really be, I guess the the artist of the of the midfield, I'd say, maybe, or, or yeah. the attack. Um, and I think he did pretty well doing so. 
I will say this, and I, I must criticize them because evidently I don't criticize these two enough. Um, they should have had they should have had three goals between oh the, the gosh, two of yeah. them. It's just it, it's like it's unexplainable. I mean, I get that there's nerves involved and they're desperate to get their goals, but um, I think that's what happens when you're playing at a professional level. Like the reason why we play we pay professional athletes. The amount of money we pay them is that they do the things that we can't do, and one of those things is scoring in the Premier League when it counts. Like that's what you're paid to do. You're paid to score goals when it matters and and help your team win the best you can. And we almost dropped three points that were surefire three points in a way that I hadn't seen Newcastle get three points ever um, with three straight set piece goals. Um, and I don't know. It just was frustrating because they deserved it I think I think in other matches it seemed like it was more frustrating uh, it was frustrating because it was like that was the chance to win or that was the chance to put us ahead or that was the chance for security but for in this case it was like the, the those two genuinely deserved to have scored they both had flawless matches outside of the fact that they didn't have goals or assists so yeah. um it's like it's it's really unfortunate but like you have to score I, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I, if yeah, if uh, somebody said anything like, "Are you concerned about anything moving forward?" It's like, yeah, we still can't finish. Like, we had two like set piece goals that we were lucky about, and Shelf. Well, actually, all three were set piece, right? Because Shelby was mm-hmm. a free kick. So, like, we still haven't scored an open play goal, and like we've like in this match, even like we didn't. It's very rare that we're not going to score three set piece goals a game. I guarantee you that. So it's like. We need to figure out a way to score on open play. That's a huge concern of, of mine right now. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. But it, it's just, yeah, yeah, I think that's the annoying thing is that they deserve to score and they deserve to have that that those goals and it just didn't happen. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's get to your questions and we're going to do that right after this break. Elijah. Yes. We have questions. Oh, nice. Um, we have three questions. Um, the first one from Pound Shop Rafa. Uh, Mago Scott P. Is it okay to feel anything less than rapturous joy following the West Ham match seen as we nearly pissed away a 3 nothing lead and made a series of baffling changes that led to this near pissing <laughs> this is a great question yeah it's worded tremendously too yeah it's a very solid wording i think it's completely fine to to feel less than joy because which is a weird phrase for me to say um for some reason because you're right uh tactically you know it's it's annoying and i said we've taken we've taken the baby steps of no tactics to having tactics to having a game plan for a match. Uh, the next step is time management, and that's where Bruce got it wrong. I mean, this is two straight matches where uh, Newcastle um, could have set themselves up for. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, for, could have set themselves up for in a better position um, had they made substitutions earlier um, in the match and waiting to the. 75th or 70th minute or 85th minute or whatever to make your subs in a match where you're demanding your team work hard the entire match is 
baffling to say the least and with a player like John Joe Shelby no offense to him he just he hasn't played 90 minutes in forever so to expect for him to play 90 minutes with no mistakes um, and no defensive lapses is wild and I don't know it's it that's that's an annoying part of 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 that match and it's tough to walk away from it being completely happy with the three points because that's such a big issue that like is one of those things where the players can't do anything about it they can't just demand to be subbed off that's like Steve Bruce having to recognize that he's not the perfect human being that he thinks he is and he has to adjust how he approaches substitutions. And I think we there were times where we got mad at Rafa for, for certain subs, but it was never to the point of, of Steve Bruce and just the ridiculousness that, that's occurring right now. Yeah. Um, next question is Will Watson at Batman's Milkman. He says, in your opinion, has Steve Bruce influenced the team to play his style of football over the 10 game? And we are seeing those benefits, or are we still seeing a squad playing the simple form of the game that the players are executing extremely well. That's a that's a, another really solid question. Um, this is a tough one because, I mean, I guess this last match is really the only example of the attacking football that we've seen. Um, that sorry, that we've heard about from Steve Bruce. Um, if this was the only time, I was like, oh, okay. We're playing some quality attacking football. Um, I can't say that I've been convinced that the rest the rest of the season has been more of the same. It's more been utter chaos, and I think that part is rubbed off from Steve Bruce. I don't know if it's the same old, same old completely, but I, I have to give Bruce credit for at least this one match is that he found the weakness in West Ham's uh, in West Ham and he exploited it. Um, yeah. So I mean, shout out to I, him. I think. Um... You know, Bruce definitely has put some tactics in there, but there's a lot like the, the a lot of the negative sides of it are like a lack of maybe not not a lack of tactics, but just a a lack of oversight. Like like in the beginning of the season, it's like playing players in the wrong position and putting weird players on the bench when you have lack of depth in certain depth in certain areas. And like in this match, like it's or last two matches, it's been like not subbing anybody to nearly the 80th minute when you're clearly like losing momentum. So it's like those, those type of things are hurting us, but there are things that is happening. That's good. A lot of the change has been since we incorporated our normal formation from last year. And then Bruce had that interview where he just admitted, like, I don't have the players that can play my style. So we'll play the style from last year. Well, it's like, yeah, everyone's been saying that (laughs) everyone's just saying that we just needed to do that. and You'll be fine. And it's turning out that like we are playing a lot better now. So, I that's a it's a tougher question to ask. There's definitely some positives that Bruce has done, if I'm being honest. But there's definitely a lot of negatives. Like the whole reason why we were down three two is is because of lack of oversight from the management. So, um, yeah. Anything it's true. else you'd like to add there? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. The proverbial <laughs> nail on the proverbial head. Yes. All right, the official questionnaire of CHN Radio at Trevor Mooney 12 said, who won best costume at Newcastle Halloween Party Saturday? Clark and Fernandez as Alan Shearer, John Joe as a shaved-headed Beckham, Brucey as Rafa. 
honestly, all I can think about is those those uh, when when we first employed the Rafa tactics in the Tottenham win, uh, not no, no the Manchester United win, and it was a success. It was like all the photoshopped pictures of Steve Bruce with the uh, with like Rafa's like glasses and like a mustache and stuff. So like that just sounds comical and a little goatee and everything. So that honestly sounds the most entertaining to me. But the real answer is John Joe Shelby. Yes. Uh, one not he not dressing up as David Beckham. No no no. John Joe Shelby revealed himself as the dark the the dark prince himself Voldemort. Because oh. only Voldemort could come in and revive, like his career in in literally one match. That's that's a a Voldemort thing. He's became yeah. relevant again. We're not going to name that man who must not be named. There we go. Yeah. Um. So my answer for this is is so I'm I'm taking Clark and Fernandez, but mainly Clark. So I had, a, I had a tweet, and I'm sure you've been in this situation before. Not now, because you're like a Twitter legend, obviously. Mm. Uh, but you've probably in your life, and most people listening have tweeted something that you thought was really good, like really oh, funny, yeah. really good, and just it didn't get the traction it deserved. No, that and happens that's... with all of my tweets. That That's that's and... <laughs> how I feel about Twitter. Everyone's um, all of the things. And I had one of those on Saturday that – just didn't get the love it needed. And mm. it was Clark, when he scored his goal, he did the Naruto run. The Naruto run. Whatever yes. Naruto. Naruto? Yes. He Naruto. did that, but without realizing it. But his hand, both of his hands were behind his back, and he was like slouched over running. And I just died laughing when I saw it, because I, I live in Vegas, and they did that storm area one thing where they're all going to Naruto run oh, yeah. into area 51. And that's just what I thought of when he did his goal celebration. And I think of like Alan Shearer putting one hand up in the air and then Clark just Naruto running along the pitch. And I was dying laughing. And I tweeted out a picture of the Naruto run and said, this is Clark's celebration and nothing. Zero's across the board. That's, so, that's, that's on, that's, that's on me, buddy. <laughs> so, I uh, so that's I'm gonna pick Clark and Fernandez for that. I should have retweeted that. <laughs> it's fine. I think I think that they they went as wait because they're supposed to go as Alan Shearer, right? Yeah, yeah. They went as Alan Shearer dressed as Naruto. Yes, I like that. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. All right. Well, do you have anything else, Elijah? Um. No, uh, be sure to kiss all the babies you come across, and, uh, oh, happy holidays, we're getting into the, have you started playing Christmas music yet, uh, Greg? No, I'm a Thanksgiving stan, so I will not. Oh, be. oh yes, I've, I'm a huge Thanksgiving guy too, I play the, 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 uh, the greens, beans, tomato, potatoes song. Oh, yes. That's a good one. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, get on black Twitter. Green bean tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, so good. It's it's a great song. All right, and all, everyone, stay safe out there. Somebody got stabbed at Popeyes over a chicken sandwich today, so please <laughs> stay safe out there. It's real. It happened in Maryland, dude. I'm not. Hope y'all hey, are safe. Re- um, <laughs> real quick, I have to say this for all, and this probably does not. I don't even know if they have the Popeyes chicken sandwich in england well they might because they have it in brazil and they have different versions of it in brazil and they have one that's called the bbc 
which is just <laughs> just terrible branding by Popeyes. It's a barbecue one. It, no, it's a double uh, BBC. Or like is double... it brilliant branding from Popeyes? Oh, gosh. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, I'll say this about Popeyes. I am not going to get a chicken sandwich because one thing that I like at a fast food restaurant, or sorry, quick service restaurant, is the quick part. And so, I know, I mean, I just, call me a simple man, but I like going to Chick-fil-A and then pretty much having my order ready before I even think of what my order is. So, I don't know. Like, I like walking in there, going up to the register, and just being like, can I get a number one combo with buffalo chicken sauce? And then, like, before I finish the word buffalo chicken sauce and tell them my drink, they've already got it made. Like, that's not what's going on at Popeye's. So, I'm boycotting Popeye's until they fix their, uh, their, their, their wait times. Yeah. Uh, they just couldn't rise to the occasion. That's a shame. Hey, All right. a shame. Damn shame. Well, that concludes episode 94 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. This is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And listening to this beautiful sound coming from Newcastle, bid you farewell and away the last. Love you. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the club again. I'll pray for Dark at St. James's Park, if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Geordie, and to live in Geordie land. Some people think we're 40 and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny her way. I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny Howie. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. Brave the dog is in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rear. I'm coming home.